0: 2021. This is the Hermetic Hour. I'm your host, Pope Runyon, and tonight we present a revised chapter from the new edition of the Book of Solomon's Magic, Chapter 5, The Kabbalah of Wizardry. This revision is necessary because our version of Kabbalah, that's Q-A-B-A-L-A-H, has undergone some evolvement since this chapter was published 26 years ago. We have discovered the celestial tetragraviton, restored the 11-sphere tree of life before the fall, and we have created the hermetic yoga system, the straight straight line chakra system. We've evolved the sacred marriage from Baal and Astarte to Jesus and Mary Magdalene and the Rosicrucian degrees. And we have created new kameyas for the outer planets. So I suggest you have your tree of life diagrams handy as you listen so that you can follow along the path. This Well, let's begin the chapter with something strange from the ancient past, a channeling. In the beginning there was whirling darkness, the mother of night and the dragon of chaos. And the dragon embraced the mother of night, who gave birth to two sons, the light, who shone forth to ensoul the worlds, and time, who gave meaning to eternity. From the teachings of Kiabo. Chapter 5, The Kabbalah of Wizardry Remember, as above, so below, as within, so without. At this point, you might be wondering... How can we as mere mortals presume to invoke archangels and evoke ancient gods, goddesses, and demon kings, even though we have the essential operative secrets, hypnosis, the mirror reflection phenomenon, and the aura-producing crystal? Where do we get the special knowledge, the philosophy, and the empowerment to use these methods in magical operations? The philosophy behind Solomon's magic is Kabbalah. Q-A-B-A-L-A-H or K-A-B-B-A-L-A-H. In magic, the Kabbalistic mindset is as important as the hypnotic operating technique. If hypnosis is the tactic of the wizard, then Kabbalah is his strategy. About this, there is comforting news and challenging news. The challenging news is is that you cannot escape learning the basics of Kabbalah. The comforting news is that you don't need to read Hebrew and Greek any better than some Tibetan lamas can read Sanskrit, and they are still excellent magicians. Please understand, I don't propose to teach you Kabbalah in this book. This chapter merely sets forth the special characteristics of our version of Kabbalah. You can familiarize yourself with the full spectrum of the system from the hermetic to the rabbinical versions, Kabbalah, Q-A-B-A-L-A-H, that's hermetic, to K-A-B-B-A-L-A-H, that's rabbinical, in the works I have recommended in the study guide. Now, with this in mind, let's look briefly at what I call the Kabbalah of Wizardry. That's hermetic Kabbalah. It was developed in the late Middle Ages and the early Renaissance by nominally Christian magicians and is usually referred to as the Hermetic Kabbalah. How does it differ from rabbinical Kabbalah and just how pagan, how Gnostic, and how Judeo-Christian is it? These questions may not seem important at this point, but they will loom large as you engage in a serious study of the subject. So I will do my best to answer them as briefly and concisely as I can. Right at the outset of your training, let's begin by attempting to define Kabbalah, and that's both Kabbalahs, Kabbalah and Kabbalah, in two sentences. First, the cultural definition. Kabbalah is a Pythagorean, Gnostic, and Neoplatonic metaphysical amalgam with a biblical mythos and a Hebrew structure. And for the operative definition... Kabbalah is a philosophical, mathematical, geometric system that describes the creation and operation of the universe through four dimensions by employing a schematic design containing ten spheres of descending emanations connected by 22 paths attributed to the letters of the alphabet and their numerical equivalents. Well, this is a starting point. But not much better than giving the weight, height, and color as the definition for an elephant. Essential to understanding Kabbalah is the concept of Ein Sof, the limitless nothing, that connects into itself and produces the Ein Sof or the limitless light, which then expands to produce the universe and continues to enliven and ensole it. This conception predates modern physics Big Bang theory by a thousand years. It also puts Kabbalistic philosophy, both Hebrew and Hermetic, in a controversial position in relation to Orthodox Jewish and Christian religion. At the highest level, the Kabbalist or the Kabbalist or the Cupalist can't conceive God is not judgmental or in any way dissatisfied with his creation. He simply is, and he continues to be. A contemporary popular analogy would be the Force in Lucas's Star Wars films. The universe is therefore operated by a lesser and more differentiated personification such as angels, gods, goddesses, and elemental spirits. This very ancient belief was retained in Neoplatonism, the philosophical high water mark of classical paganism, which underlies both Hermetic Kubala and Hebrew Kabala. We attribute all these lesser powers to the various spheres and paths of the tree of life structure described in our one sentence definition. We can then access them for knowledge and for help. But please do not get the idea that the tree of life is a physical roadmap. It is more analogous to an electrical schematic. It is a philosophical construct, not a navigational chart. Thinking in, more, in a more subjective way, we might describe Kabbalah as a spiritual, magical computer program for your mind. It interfaces the right and left hemispheres of your brain. That's a modern psychological reality originally theorized by the Kabbalist Isaac Luria in the 16th century and allows you to go online with the great mainframe, in other words, the microcosm, you, accesses the macrocosm, God. Since its emergence in medieval southern France and Spain to the present era, Kabbalah, and especially Hermetic Kabbalah, has been studied and practiced by as many Gentiles as Jews. In 1550, In the 15th century Italy, a philosophical marriage took place that reestablished the lineage of the Western esoteric tradition. Hebrew Kabbalah was reunited with the Neoplatonic, Gnostic, and Hermetic elements that had inspired its creation in 1st century Alexandria. When the Hermetic writings were rediscovered by Renaissance European Christians, magic was literally reborn. Hebrew Kabbalah, which shared many of the same Alexandrian roots, was soon integrated into the nominally Christian hermetic scheme to give it the necessary biblical structure and imagery. Humanist hermetic uh, philosophers enriched their magical art by introducing the pagan Orphic hymns and the gods from ancient Greece and drawing on the exotic Arabian-Samean planetary magical system having origins in ancient Canaan and Babylon to create an elegant synthesis. The earth was declared a goddess, the anima mundi. The deified sun, moon, and planets were evoked both in the human body and in the heavens beyond. This obviously pagan, capricious, and amoral pantheon was balanced and regulated by angelic counterparts retained from the biblical system. However, in the Hermetic Kabbalah, these angels were thought of as the sentient messengers of a special power, uh, special power or special power givers, not of a biblical Jehovah, but of an omnipresent, omnipotent, nonjudgmental force that flowed throughout the universe. The original father god of the Bible had returned. The famous Renaissance philosopher-magician Giordano Bruno, who was supposedly burned at the stake for supporting Copernicus's heliocentric theory, was actually executed by the Inquisition, not because he publicly declared that, yes, the earth does revolve around the sun, but because he then insisted that the sun is God. Kabbalah, in its earliest form, was probably derived from a synthesis of Pythagorean mathematical geometric philosophy and Simonian Samaritan Gnosticism, with a Valentinian Gnostic cosmology from Marcus the Magician. In its later Renaissance and Rosicrucian form, the practical magical Kabbalah is similar to Tibetan Tantric Buddhism. In that, elaborate visualizations of frankly pagan God forms, angels, and elemental spirits are encouraged. Judaic and Muslim religious traditions forbids this imagery and thus severely handicaps their forms of Kabbalah. There is, however, one major difference between our hermetic system and that of the Tantrics. They contend that everything is ultimately illusion, whereas we say that everything is ultimately reality. For this reason, we place greater emphasis on developing and balancing the four or five philosophical elements, air, fire, water, earth, animated by the force which we call spirit. In Hermetic-Cabalistic terms, these four elements are the manifestation of the Tetragrammaton, the fourfold name of God. They are further personified by four archangels of the quarters, with which you are already already familiar, or should be. The importance of these four magical elements, which are also the grail hallows and the tarot suits, cannot be overemphasized. I need not press my argument further than to refer the student to one of, the modern, of, one of modern Magic's major textbooks, Initiation into Hermetics by Franz Barton. This entire work is devoted to the mastery of these four principles. Hermetic Kabbalah also employs angelic balancing forces as invoking and evoking formulas to call down and summon up its otherwise pagan entities. There should be no disrespect or irreverence toward ancient deities in this process. These entities are the traditional source of the magician's power. The arts of theurgy and thaumaturgy allow you to explore vast realms and discover lost treasures of spirit. One might say that the worshipping mystic waits on the whim of his god while the magician sets out to climb Mount Olympus. If you are a spiritual adventurer, the respectful manipulation of these forces will be the appropriate method for you. However, there is a problem with the Jewish Tetragrammaton. Hebrew was not... Oh, well, Hebrew has only 22 primary letters in its alphabet, not enough to provide letters for the signs of the zodiac, the planets, and the four elements. For this reason, the first... The book of the Hebrew Kabbalah, the Book of Formation, called the Sefer Yetzirah, was probably originally composed in Greek. And when it was rendered into Hebrew, the lack of a letter to symbolize the earth element resulted in philosophic gymnastics that created a synthetic name that matched that of the tribal god Yahweh. The fourfold name was actually composed of the four mother letters of the elements. In which Tao Saturn had to stand for Earth, Yahweh was conceived as a force containing creation, not actually creating it. This reflected the Gnostic belief that Yahweh was a demiurge, ruler of the earth, not of the most high, not the most high Creator God. And it explains why the physical world, the kingdom, is most important to the Jewish Kabbalists. Reincarnation is a Hermetic belief. You now have a beginning idea of what Hermetic Kabbalah is about, but you may still wonder how it differs from traditional Jewish Kabbalah. Besides its emphasis on the physical world, it differs in three other ways. First, Jewish Kabbalah is primarily concerned with decoding the first five books of the Bible via the process of Gematria. Each Hebrew letter has a numerical value, hence any other word adding to the same value has a mystic relation or could be a coded substitution. Second, Jewish Kabbalah, the most esoteric Lurianic school, does postulate a non-judgmental God force at the highest level, but becomes highly moralistic in descending levels. And third, Jewish Kabbalah has nothing to do with tarot or pagan God forms on the tree of life except as demons in the Klippar. In the 18th century, the Jewish intellectual establishment had generally abandoned Kabbalah as a baleful influence on their culture. But in recent years, there has been a revival of interest in the subject in the Jewish community, especially in the 1960s and 70s, of the 20th century, when rabbis discovered that some of their brightest young people were attracted to esoteric Buddhism. That started in the Beatnik era. Rising to offer a Jewish alternative to Zen were Gershom Shalom, the scholar of Jewish mysticism, and Ira Kaplan, a modern capitalist. This revival of tradition of traditional Jewish Kabbalah was both beneficial and detrimental for Hermetic Kabbalah. The re-emerging Hebrew Kabbalists were not kind and respectful to their Hermetic cousins. We soon found ourselves sitting in the back of their Kabbalistic bus. Now, this situation prompted one of my learned colleagues to write a delightful little cross-cultural Kabbalistic textbook the Chicken Kabbalah of Rabbi Lamed Ben Clifford by Lon Milo Duquette. And even though hermetic maestro Duquette wrote the book with his tongue in his cheek, it turns out to be the best introduction to either Kubala or Kabala, and we give it our highest recommendation. And there's also a sequel called The Son of the Chicken Kabbalah, which is also quite good. At this point, we should discuss that our particular OTA version of the Hermetic Kabbalah uses an ancient Phoenician alphabet instead of Hebrew, see figure 5 in the book and, and the magical alphabet in the appendix, and that we use a non-Judaic tetragrammaton in the higher dimensions of the tree, relegating YHVH to Malkuth. Medieval Hebrew is not ancient and is... Difficult to visualize for magical formulas, especially um, magical formulas. Whereas ancient Phoenician is closer to what the old magicians actually used and fits perfectly into the astrological magical color scale. Risking a co- cross-cultural anachronism we might call the Phoenician alphabet, King Solomon's Runes. Where does Jesus fit into all of this? And was there ever any such thing as a Christian Kabbalah? Well, there were attempts at this during the Renaissance, but Christianity's doctrine of faith is fundamentally opposed to the Kabbalah's doctrine of knowledge, Gnosis. And Christianity's triune structure will not fit into the ten spheres of the tree of life. But in later Roman times, Jesus had assumed the mantle of a sun god, And by the Rosicrucian era in the early 17th century, we can say that the Hermetic Kabbalah had become Rosicrucian, a philosophy that is about as Christian as Tibetan Tantra is Buddhist. Rising with the Rosicrucians came the Freemasons, and with them came the legend of Solomon's Temple. This turned the mythical focus of magic, back from the classical pagan deities that had fascinated the Renaissance Italians to the biblical era of Solomon and Sheba. We had entered the realm of the Arabian Nights, and the most popular grimoires of magic were the clavicles of Solomon that promised the secrets of summoning and controlling the gym the spirits who had helped King Solomon and his master architect to build the great temple of Jerusalem. Of course, these spirits were, in actuality, the gods of ancient Canaan, who were known in the Bible as the Elohim. The master architect was himself a Phoenician Canaanite, and he and King Solomon worshipped the same high god, hell, not Jehovah. And two of the chief spirits whom... Solomon supposedly imprisoned in his past vessel were the Canaanite god and goddess Baal and Astarte, the son and daughter of the Most High God, El, who had been transformed by later worshippers of Jehovah into the demons Baal and Astaroth. And this transformation of the old gods into demons is what gave the medieval sorcerers their power, the same power that Solomon used to build the temple. And as the Bible tells us, he also built a temple to the goddess of Starche. The ancient gods and goddesses of the Bible are the power givers of both Jewish and Hermetic versions of the Kabbalah. Jewish Kabbalists and magicians are aware that these demons are the old gods, but they consider them denizens of an evil region they call the Clephag, whereas Hermetic and Christian cabalists and magicians treat them with respect and consign them to a classical pagan Tartarus. We use Solomon's magic to bring them up from Tartarus and return them to their, to their homes on the planetary spheres of the Tree of Life. The goddess of Stardate dwells in Nesach, the sphere of Venus, and her consort, Prince pahal the thunderer, dwells in Tippereth, the sphere of the sun. At this juncture in our exposition of Kabbalah, we need to deal with the problem of the Tetragrammaton. The synthetic YHVH was accepted into the Hermetic Kabbalah, even though the Gnostics, including Valentinus himself, declared Yahweh a demiurge, having power in the physical sphere only. Even though Jehovah's displacement of Father Hell or Eleon was nominally accepted by the Renaissance magicians, we discovered in the first conjuration of the Goetia, the Lamegaton, convincing evidence that hermetic magicians still venerated Solomon's father God in the higher realms and dimensions of the tree of life, relegating Jehovah to the lower realm of the elements. This has prompted us, to recreate the original tetragrammaton in two forms. The 22-letter Hebrew form, Atta, which employs three mother letters in Saturn, and the 24-letter Neo-Phoenician form, Shao, which uses the three mothers in Omega as, celestia, as, as celestial tetragrammatons affecting the higher dimensions from absolute zero. We still defer to YHVH in the lower realms, Malkuth and Ashia, of Ashia. I cannot take credit for these revelations. Both celestial formulas are outlined and justified by the master capitalist, the late Arya Kaplan, in his Sepharic Era, 1997, in a chapter titled, A Great Mystical Secret, pages 140 through 142. And I urge you to look it up if you don't believe me. At this point, you might be wondering where does Jesus fit in uh, to this, and where, to, and, and does the Hermetic Kabbalah have a place for him? Yes, the higher degrees of the Western esoteric tradition are Rosicrucian, and this is where where what Hermetic magic, and this is what Hermetic magic evolves into, through a process of initiations that followed the evolution of the ancient gods. We have a document from ancient times which describes the old pagan gods like Isis and Osiris, El and Aseret, Baal and Astarte, Venus and Adonis, eventually evolving into the last of the dying gods and resurrecting goddesses, Jesus and his wife Mary Magdalene. This is taught in the higher degrees, and the Kabbalah is reformed to recover the last sphere of Da'abh. Jesus and Mary consummate a sacred marriage in Tippereth and purify all the spheres of the tree of life. As described in the chemical wedding of the Christian Rosencruz, Jesus and Mary install the angels to rule over the old pagan gods. New Kameas are created for the outer planets, and the entire Kabbalah is reformed. But that is far beyond the scope of this book. Let us return to Solomon and consider how the Kabbalah released his mansion. Now, at this juncture, we need to explain how Kabbalah relates to the Goetia and Almadel systems. And the best way to understand these relationships is to study the Tree of Life diagram and to try to visualize the conceptions. The Tree of Life, the Uschheim, is a philosophical schematic of the universe as it was created and as it continues to function. The tree has ten spheres, as we have ten fingers, and our mathematics is based on the number 10, we separate the tree into four descending alums or dimensions. (laughs) In an oversimplified way, these dimensions can be thought of as levels of vibration or frequency, like UHF, VHF, etc. At the top, we have Asaluth, the world of origins, which creates and contains the single Sephirot, Sephira, Kether. At this exalted level, God is neither male nor female, and certainly not judgmental. This is the force which empowers the two mighty the mighty two stroke engine of the next dimension, olam, the world of archetypes and archangels, where the yin yang, the sephirot of Hokma and Bima male positive female negative, evolves with an impersonal, cyclical detachment generating the myriad preforms of the olam yetzirah, the olama formation, the so-called astral plane. This derives from Plato who originated the idea of the original idea, the concept that there has to be an ideal archetype preceding every physical manifestation. The Neoplatonists then made these ideal forms dynamic through the theory of emanations. These preforms became physical manifestations in the Olamashiyah, which contains the single sephira of Malku, the kingdom, which is ruled by the Demiurge. The atzeric dimension wherein the magician does most of his or her work comprises the what from Hesed down to son, Here we find the anthropomorphic and zoomorphic images of mythology. This is the realm of the gods that Carl Jung called the collective unconscious. And here we find the genie of King Solomon's breast vessel. Well, not exactly. The truth is that all of King Solomon's spirits are found in the lowest. Saphira of the astral, the lunar sphere of this is the This is the case, even though they are attributed to all of the planets from Mercury-Hod on up to Saturn-Binam. We have what appears to be a paradox as a result of trying to explain Kabbalah in one short chapter. The Tree of Life design serves different functions in the, descriptive of, the description above. We use the four holand divisions on one single tree to show the process of creation. Be aware, however, that each of the four dimensions operate throughout the whole tree, and each sephira contains its own complete tree. We find all of Solomon's genie in the various planetary spheres of Yassad, because Yassad is the gateway to the astral, the sphere of memory and the sphere of the dark mirror. If this sounds confusing, try to visualize it this way. The moon is the planetary sphere closest to the Earth. In Kabbalistic terms, you saw it as the sephirah closest to Malkuth. The outer planets on the sun are reflected down through it. Coming up from below, it is our port of entry into the subconscious emotional astral plane, the Olam Yitzheram. Thus, the lunar mirror and memory aspects of your thought are very, are very appropriate because the galacious spirits are, in a psychological sense, all reflections of different aspects of yourself, extended out in a flat circle on this primal emotional level. Observe the moon and all your workings, the Lamegaton declares, and, of course, the Picatrix says, undertake no work when the... But when the moon is not in a favorable position, given the above, your next question should be: Which archangels control these goetic spirits? Obviously, Gabriel rules, you saw it, and should be invoked in a greater lunar planetary preceding every goetic operation. Remember, the seventy-two spirits of the brass vessel are not an ascending hierarchy, and neither are the four archangels of the quarters and the 72 angels of the Simeon Farash who control the 72 poetic spirits. They are all in a flat circular pattern following the signs of the zodiac. And we have a diagram called the Master Mandala, which, of course, is in the Book of Solomon's Magic and and available many places on, online if you need to look it up. You may note another apparent paradox with the four archangels of the quarters and the elements, also doubling as four of the seven planetary archangels. Canbalistic hair splitters will tell you that the seven planetary archangels are actually different beings with the same names. You may find it necessary at a certain stage of your development to go along with this. Eventually, you will internalize the archangels as principles. For example, Raphael personifies the illuminating sun in the eastern quadrant and the life-giving properties of the year. Recall the the Metatron, Holy Guardian Angel, Sandalphan, Angelic Totem Pole. These angels are not attributed to the planets in any context. Once you have raised Such ancient deities as Baal and Astarte or perhaps Amon Ra or Horus through the Galatia forms via the lunar gate, you may certainly seek them in their higher spheres under their original titles in proper planetary operations. The Picatrix provides an excellent resource for such advanced workings. Remember, the ancient gods and goddesses are capricious. Like the forces of nature, they represent balance. They represent balance your work very carefully. Considering the above, the thoughtful student might ask if Hermetic magic is an amoral system. It is not possible to give a quick and simple no answer to this question. One reason is that there is nothing quick and simple about Kabbalah. Another reason is that without certain philosophical principles such as reincarnation, the law of karma, and the belief in spiritual involvement requires one to transcend personal ego and find compassion for all humankind, then Hermetic Kabbalah could be seriously misused. And let me say this about, uh, about our particular uh, method of Galatia. We use the facial, we use the facial reflection in the dark mirror to bring out the uh, the spirits of the Galatia. And if you try to use your own reflection to to harm somebody else, well, uh, this is not a very very smart thing to do because uh, the good spirit is the good expert that's coming that's coming for through you is not going to differentiate between you and 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 uh, and whoever whoever your target might be. So, our our methods of our methods of Goetic practice are not are not suitable for black magic. For this reason, we follow the example of her mistress Magus and keep the teachings as a prize to be won by seekers after wisdom, not a gospel to be preached to the multitudes. So, if you find this chapter a little difficult to understand without parallel reading, you should realize that we are following that principle. And you will be encouraged to study the recommended texts. And this brief theoretical explanation raises as many questions as it answers, and we are at least off to a good start. Now, let's take a quick look at the practical kabbalistic aspects of the galactic operation. After opening the lunar gate, you saw it with a planetary septagram ritual during which you will internally expand the tree of life as you saw located in the genital chakra to displace and overlay the other psychic centers in your body. And for this, see chapter 9, figure 7, and, and of course, our Hermetic yoga books. You will then circumambulate your magic circle, widersens as many turns, as the number of the sphere you are working, uh, for example, seven times for the sphere in that sock. That would be in the sock of this sort. Likewise, in a, you saw it in that sock operation, you would use green candles and burn sandalwood incense. The names of power that you plug into your standard conjuration are drawn from the Master Mandala and the seven and 777 seven, seven, seven references to the sphere that you are working. You will also use the proper planetary metal or an affordable facsimile for the spiritual amen worn by the receiver. As you can see, this is a psychotechnical structure to Solomon's magic that is definitely capitalistic. This does not mean that you have to master all the theoretical principles and practical methods of this venerable philosophy before you can venture into wizardry. The fact is, you will never master it all. One of the more important things you will learn from the study of Kabbalah and the practice of magic is the vast extent of what you really do not know. The more you study and practice, the greater and deeper and further this unknowing extends. Remember this. When someone tries to tell you how much they know or how much you do not know, about Kabbalah. Ah uh, let's read some let's read some of the footnotes on this chapter. This well known pagan Samian connection is vitally important in the history of Western magic. The Heranian scheme of planetary correspondences reached uh the European nation through the medieval Arabic Grima Picatrux, which has not yet been comp- which has not yet been completely translated into English. This is not that, that this this was back, this this footnote was written back in 1996. And since that time, we have had translations of the Arabic Picatrix, and we had, most importantly, we've had translations of the Latin Picatrix, the one that was used by the by uh, Renaissance magicians, and that, uh, and my Cornelius Agrippa, and that, uh, that's available. and That's the one you should use. Is the is, the, is the, uh, the Latin, the English, the English version of the Latin translation. That's by Christopher Christopher Warnock and, and John Michael Greer. It's excellent. Footnote uh, too. The possibility of a Samaritan origin for the Kabbalah has been carefully sidestepped by Jewish writers. The Samaritans were Babylonian pagans who were resettled in Israel by the Assyrians after their conquest of Palestine in 721 B.C. From that time on through to the Christian era, they practiced a mixture of pagan and Jewish religious traditions. That it was more magical than Orthodox Judaism. They may have originated the concept of gematria, and see. Uh, Wallace Bunches, Amulets, and Talismans. One of the great progenitors of our Hermetic tradition, the Gnostic magician Simon Magus, was a Samaritan. The Samaritan 22 letter alphabet is directly analogous to Hebrew, and like the earlier Phoenician characters, is a good choice for Hermetic pagan magicians who prefer not to use Hebrew. And let me say this even though the, uh, the Jewish rabbis managed to, uh, to redo the Samaritan, the Samaritan Torah. Every time a Samaritan priest sees YHBH written in his Torah, he pronounces it Shema. Uh, the third footnote is Muslim Kabbalah is called Abjad. And that's for the, for the first four letters of the of the Arabic alphabet, which are this, which are basically the same phonetics as uh, Hebrew and
1: and, and and Greek.
0: After the first five letters of the Arabic alphabet, number four, as Isaac Bonowitz pointed out during a 1974 presentation on NBC's Tom Snyder Show, theurgy, theurgy means divine working, whereas thaumaturgy translates as miracle working. From this, we can deduce that the expression goetic theology is actually a contradiction in terms. Now, number five. YHVH means I am what I am, and it's an anagram for something unknown like UFO or VIP. Regardless of this ambiguous symbolism, it has very strong religious connotations. If you are Jewish, or an Old Testament oriented Christian, you should probably continue to use it. Modern Hermetic pagans may find Amash derived from the three mother letters of Severian Zero plus Omega less biblical and less uh, in a negative sense. Even the Hebrew Kabbalists conceded that their alphabet needed another letter. However, if you don't want to add another letter to the Phoenician or Samaritan alphabet for the earth element, you might consider Shema'atah. Now, this was also written in 1996, and since then, we realized that uh, the Samata and the are actually celestial. They're actually celestial tetragrammatons. They, they, they influence. They, they, they should be used to influence uh, the, the Azura, the the world of formation, and and then. YHVH should should be used for the kingdom, for Malkuth. Uh and uh that oh I got some more footnotes here on the next page. Yeah. Shema, the Shema Ta formula uh Shin, fire as mem water, uh Bria, Alephia Zura Error, Tau Saturn. Earth, Malkuth. Well, These three tetragrammaton arrangements should be studied in relation to the Sefer Zira. In any case, even if you do not agree with the new Hebrew uh, Hermetic forms, you are sure to profit from a serious study in preparation to challenge them. And if you, if you have any doubt about this, I refer you to Ira Kaplan's Sefer and and Chapter 3. And I think after you, and no matter how how devout you are, even if you even if you're a Rabbi, I think I think when you read that that chapter three of Ira Kaplan's book, you will realize that they really that that, that uh, uh, Shema Atah and Amashah really are the celestial tzaddik uh, On the next footnote, Shemayon Barash, Extended the name of God. This was used in our Master Mandala and it's the version derived from the 72 word verses of Exodus, not from the permutation of YHVH, via the Satrakis, referred to in my Kabbalah research paper, which is included in in Appendix 4. Now, the last footnote is, well, let me say this about the Semi-Han Parash. These are the 72 angels, which actually are counterparts our our angelic counterparts are the gracious spirits, and and uh, we have we have their their sigils in the book. We we have the sigils uh, uh, from the, the French the French magus uh, uh blaze visionaire, and uh, and we we got those from Pat Slesky. They're 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 quite effective. Uh, and uh, however, if you wanted if you want a description of what they do. You're gonna to go to Barton's uh uh magical evocation, uh his, his second volume of magical evocation, they're the Mercury spirits. He has them all on Mercury, which is appropriate because Hod is one sphere above uh, uh above just, you know, Uh you saw it. So so consequently they are in the right place to, to govern uh you know, to, to, to govern the Goetic spirits. Now, last footnote. A venerable capitalist once said God is ineffable, and everything else is man's cleverness. Another equally venerable sage commented that women have babies and men have Kabbalah. Oh, boy. (laughs) Actually, let me say this about that. One of the best books on Kabbalah, and that's K-A-B-A-L-A-H, is written by a woman who was a student of Ira Kaplan's, and that's Leonor Elite. And and uh, and uh and this is a wonderful book this is magisterial. And she has and she has taken the Hebrew language and 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 she has has made it made it do all of the things that uh that we just said it couldn't do because, because actually so uh actually uh, uh rabbi leiten and she and she she she, she really is, she's a, she's a lady rabbi uh uh she has she has has actually vindicated the hebrew Kabbalah, uh as says uh has yeah, of course it's still it's still Pythagorean and it's still uh it's it is it's still platonic and, and neoplatonic. But but it is later but uh, uh Rabbi Lee has has really, really made it made it uh sing and made it beautiful and I wanna recommend I really wanna recommend her book. It's called The Secret Doctrine of the Kabbalah by Leonard Elite. And uh, and I think uh, we'll uh, we'll bring the show to a close at that point. Uh, and this what you just uh, heard is is a a, re, a a revision of chapter five in the in the forthcoming second edition of the Book of Solomon's Magic, which will be uh, much more complete and much more updated. And uh, and I look forward to getting it out to you. Anyway. That concludes our show for tonight, and to come back with us next week, we'll have another, uh, we'll delve, delve more into the Hermetic Mysteries, and until then, good magic. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.